welcome to United Health Group's Weekly Dose Podcast, where we'll get you up to speed on the latest trends shaping the future of healthcare. Employers spend billions of dollars each year on healthcare, but a large portion of those costs can be traced back to just five conditions. That's according to new research by United Healthcare and the Health Action Council, which analyzed more than 320,000 covered lives. The data showed that five conditions cancer, musculoskeletal, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, and neurological account for 50% or nearly $2 billion in healthcare costs to employers. The cost drivers of those conditions vary considerably. Here to talk about these findings and to dig deeper into the research is Craig Kurzweil, who leads United Healthcare's Center for Advanced Analytics. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Evan. Good to be here. Um, so maybe you can start by briefly explaining the analysis that, that you guys did. Um, what data did you examine and, and what were you looking for? Sure. So uh, this is done in partnership with the Health Action Council, which is which comprises of dozens and dozens of different employers across the country, um, which allows us to do some pretty interesting analysis at a, at a, a larger sort of macro view of what's happening across the healthcare system. Um, so this is the fifth white paper that we've done now for the Health Action Council. And our goal in some of the prior white papers was to lay some of the foundation around um, elements, uh, external elements that are impacting um, health, the health of a population. So mostly prevalence of disease, decision-making, compliance, things like that. Um, this white paper, we took a little bit different spin on that and really focused on cost. Um, and obviously, there's a connection between health and cost, but wanted to really more focus on what's driving the most spendy conditions that are the costiest conditions that are out there. And how could we dive a little bit further to start to explain to employers what's really what's really driving those concerns? And you're largely looking at employer claims data, correct? Correct. We're looking at employer claims data, both medical and pharmacy were appropriate to try and get an, an altogether view of what's happening across the system. Okay. And so what serviced is, is these five conditions. So cancer, musculoskeletal, cardiovascular, gastrointestinal, and neurological. Can you explain um, some of sort of the significant drivers behind those conditions? Sure. And I, and I think it's also significant to understand that um, everyone spends a lot of time talking about some of these conditions, right? Mm -hmm. So Cancer, musculoskeletal, cardiovascular are, are always up at the top of most employers' list. And so we spend a lot of time and energy diving into those issues. And I'll, I'll talk about those today as well. Um, but just note the, I think it's unique to bring in gastrointestinal and neurological issues because it, it hasn't, it doesn't get a lot of limelight. It doesn't, it doesn't get a lot of attention in a lot of the performance reviews uh, with clients. And so as I, as I jump through some of these conditions, um, as you do a little bit of a double click in and you'll see this in the white paper, if we look at cancer, for example, um, and, and I guess across all these conditions before I jump into each one of them, there continues to be um, anomalies um, or, or high variances that we see um, by the different subpopulations that are important to us. As you've seen in past white papers for Health Action Council, looking at things by geography, by demographics, looking at social determinants, bringing in health equity views, age, gender, ethnicity, those types of things, um, we continue to see that there's a wide variety of experiences in each one of these categories. So keep that in mind as you kind of think about what's driving cancer. Those, those variables matter a lot. But if you look at it from a high level, cancer, really the number one driver that we see within that category, 
is very expensive chemotherapy uh, treatments. 18% of all of the cancer spend is now driven by those chemotherapy patients, uh, therapies. Um, a, a high cost to bear, but obviously a treatment that's being done to help mitigate um, the exposure and the impact that cancer can, can make on, on some of these folks' lives. So a lot of expense, but also value as far as the ability to um, treat the condition. Mm-hmm. Musculoskeletal is all about surgeries. Um, and especially as you look at uh, the return to care that we're under right now with people now getting back to the doctor, um, getting back to taking care of some of the ailments that they've kind of set aside during the pandemic, um, we're seeing even more of those musculoskeletal surgeries come come to fruition. And so um, within musculoskeletal, it's all about your pathway to care. Do you choose physical therapy, chiropractic, or do you go straight to having surgeries? And so overall, uh, specifically knee surgery is the biggest portion of the pie um, with over 8% of the cost uh, of musculoskeletal being driven by um, knee-related surgeries. And then under, under heart disease or broader cardiovascular disease, the biggest driver there is one that, again, doesn't get as much attention. We talk a lot about um, stroke and heart attack and, and those types of things, but heart rhythms, uh, abnormal heart rhythms is the biggest cost driver there. About 10% of the circulatory or cardiovascular claims is driven by abnormal heart rhythms. Definitely some area of, of opportunity there. And then gastrointestinal, which is, again, a topic that doesn't get as much time and attention, but underneath that category are things like colitis and Crohn's disease, irritable bowel, those types of things. And the number one driver there are all the new medications. So immunosuppressive mm-hmm. drugs um, is over 12% of our GI spend. And then finally, neurological, um, which is becoming more and more important um, as you see uh, more and more, especially of, of kids suffering from those types of conditions. Uh, but under neurologic, we're thinking about Parkinson's and MS and epilepsy, those types of claims. Um, and really, MS is dominating that category. Over 13% of our neurological spend is driven by MS specifically. Hmm. And another one where I imagine you see, or especially incoming, high, higher drug costs uh, probably on the horizon for that category. Correct. There's no, I mean, there's, and there's a lot, and to be fair, there's a lot of folks that are really struggling with both, both the GI and neurological. There's folks that are really struggling with those conditions. And some of those medications can be, can be life-saving, can, can allow that, right. that, that employee to work. But you're right, they're very expensive and there's many more in the pipeline that are coming down. The other piece to kind of think about within both, again, those, those two categories that don't get as much time, the neurologic and gastrointestinal, is that we're talking about the impact to medical cost, but just note the impact of productivity and presenteeism for these folks in the workforce is extreme. If you're suffering from neurological conditions, at times you can't work. And, and one of the, the, um, the conditions that is, is always highly prevalent, but rarely talked about, all the gastrointestinal issues that are out there. If you're suffering from irritable bowel syndrome or colitis or things, Crohn's, things like that, it makes it very, very hard for you to be a productive and present worker. So keep that in mind that we're looking at a, a piece of the, the puzzle uh, in the medical cost, which is very important, but the productivity cost can be even more than what you're seeing here. Is there anything that surprised you about this particular analysis? I think there's um, there's a couple of things that I think are, are pretty interesting. Uh, one is that when we looked at these five conditions. And we took a step back and looked to see for those members, how engaged are they 
with their healthcare. So not just in, in managing these conditions, but, but more broadly, as we think about our health activation index, and are those folks making good or bad choices when, when managing their overall health? So are they seeing their doctor? Are they getting their cancer screenings? Those types of things. And at the end of the day, we saw that um, for these conditions, if, for those members that are making better healthcare choices broadly, that the, the cost of these services was about 17 to 31% less that if those members are making good healthcare choices compared to the population that's making below average healthcare choices. Right. When you talk about health choices, can you give me an example? Is it, is it sort of the provider you're choosing? Is it sort of the, the decisions you're making for your own health and wellness? Yes, it would be. Uh, we have about 53 different decisions that are part of our decision-making index, our health activation index. So it includes things like, are you going to the right provider at the right time? So talking about musculoskeletal, do you go right to surgery or do you try physical therapy, chiropractic, things like that? Um, if you are of the appropriate age, gender, are you getting your cancer screenings done, impacting especially our cancer category here? Or are you just generally going to your doctor every year for a wellness checkup? And, and a lot of the population chooses, chooses not to do that. Um, or if you have a specific disease, a chronic disease like heart disease or asthma or diabetes, are you following evidence-based medicine to, to mitigate um, that condition? So those are at least some examples of some of the, 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 the decisions that we're evaluating to see if a member is, is engaged in proactively managing their health. Yeah. So we've talked a bit about the cost um, and, and where those costs are um, at a broad level, but what's the biggest takeaway for employers who are bearing a lot of these costs? I think, uh, you know, I am, I am data driven. So I think first and foremost, it's, it's the emphasis that it is important to truly understand what's happening in your population, hmm. what subpopulations are driving these issues, what type of procedures are driving that it's not good enough to know that these are the top five conditions. You really need to know which sub, which subpopulation really needs your time and attention. So try to avoid the peanut butter spread approach around solutions, but really focus on the subpopulation of need. We know that seeing, for example, one of our premium designated providers to treat um, a back-related issue can save a substantial over 30% total cost of care reduction due to the fact that those providers do, do the procedures right the first time. There's less complications, less um, redo rates, things like that across getting treated for some of those more common back-related issues. Then there's other things that are a little bit harder. When you look at um, heart disease and you look at cancer, our top two categories, that's going to be much more of a long-term sort of solution, right? There's going to be prevention that's going to be needed. For cancer, it's it's all about screening. How do we make sure that we can find these cancers as early as possible? Yeah. So two-part question here. How did um, the last two years of the pandemic sort of factor into this analysis? And then sort of looking forward, how might the pandemic impact some of these conditions, especially when you think about things like, you know, a missed cancer screening. Yeah, that's the big fear. We had we had significant um, reductions in, in care, abatement in care, another way to say it, um, especially during 2020, but that continued in 2021. And honestly, it still exists today yeah. um, where, where members are still not accessing the healthcare system at the same rate that they were before. So we're, we're, we're still watching and, and looking to see, especially for, for cancer, for all the 
you know, we had about a 40 to 50% reduction in mammographies that, that occurred during the pandemic. Um, does that lead to now finding breast cancer at a later stage? And it's going to be much more impactful to the member and obviously much higher cost. Um, so the, and it, that would hit all of these categories. We saw reductions in heart disease-related conditions being treated um, and musculoskeletal surgeries being avoided. And even in within the neurologic and uh, gastrointestinal areas, again, folks just kind of dealing with those conditions on their own without uh, being compliant with seeing their physician and, and being treated for those conditions. So now that things are starting to open back up and the system is getting back to quote unquote normal, um, we're going to be looking to see, is there added risk in the system for those folks that weren't treating their heart disease, weren't screening for cancers? And if you didn't get treat some of the other issues like the neurologic and gastrointestinal issues, does that lead to um, increased uh, severity of some of those conditions? Right. Um, so stepping back a little bit, uh, this is, as you said, the fifth year uh, you guys have done this analysis uh, and released these findings. Uh, what have you seen over that time period and what changed and, and what remains the same? Well, I think we've, we've learned a lot, right? We've, we've looked at and, and focused on some of the influencers of health. And we've kind of, we've built this story over time. And within the, this white paper, we actually see elements of all the other white papers embedded into here but really focused on uh, the inequities or, or uh, high variances that we see within a population. So focusing on uh, your zip code matters a lot. Um, social determinant, the, the, the health of the community you live in um, tells me a, a lot of what you're going to receive from a healthcare perspective and what outcomes we're going to expect. When you look at some of the common conditions that we explored last year, um, even within a seemingly common condition, we see a high variety of care patterns um, Females over age 50 having a completely different experience with heart disease than their male counterparts, those types of things. So what I would say is that some of the issues that we talked about in the prior white papers, um, what we're seeing is that they're becoming more and more the headline topics across healthcare. And I, and I hope that means we're, we're kind of thinking ahead a little bit and, and hitting some of those topics before they come mainstream. Um, but now with, if you look back at some of our past white papers, they are the hot topics of today. Um, social determinants, health equity, um, some of those those variances that we discovered a few years back are, is now making the headlines across most employers. So I, don't, I wouldn't say they've gotten better, but I would say what we try to do with these white papers is shine a spotlight, right? We can't fix a problem that we don't know, but let's recognize there's an issue with community. There's an issue with health equity. And then from there, we start to react and start to implement solutions within United Healthcare and, and across the healthcare system. Yep, absolutely. Makes sense. Well, Craig, thank you so much for, for joining us and talking about these important issues. No, thank you. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks to Craig for joining and thanks to you for listening. Have a great rest of your week.